Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. It's a beautiful Will be day. a Tuesday when they're listening to this. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, we'll begin with our prayer before we get started. You've joined the mystery of parenthood yep. with Trey and Stephanie Cashin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray Pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, I want to start out by plugging a big part of the Cashin's Advent, annual Advent celebration, and that is... Went and bought Jotham's Journey. (laughs) Yay. We're four chapters in. We're all caught up. The children love it. Oh, good. I'm glad. And already a plot twist. Was not (laughs) expecting. Not expecting. Yeah. If you're four days in, you've already had one plot twist. There's just so many little, just so many rich details that uh, keep you riveted. So I highly encourage people to, again, go order Jotham's Journey. We got it off of Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's a most convenient way to get it. I don't think I could necessarily say, I can't think of anywhere off the top of my head that would have it here in town that you yeah. could patronize. It was actually out of print for a while and was yeah. incredibly expensive. Yeah. But now it's back down I to like 13 or 14 bucks. Yeah. yeah it was, yeah. it was very affordable. I think, it, yeah. I think it's something that, is it something that a Catholic bookstore could, could carry legitimately, I, I think for Advent? What do you think? I, and personally, I think so. I think you just got to be under, it's got a. It's it's not written by a Catholic, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, I don't know what faith background he's from, but I would definitely think because he does speak of Advent and and he does have that. So he's got to be Episcopalian, Anglican, right. Lutheran. There's no, know, as far as I know, seen from the front end so far. It's not like there's any errors that you're confronting. It's more just no. things that are kind of left out or not fully developed. Well, it's it's kind of like a historical fiction though, you know, yeah. and, and like I, like you and I were just talking about before the show, I mean there's all these little bitty nuances and details that as many years as we've read it, right. I still catch and I, and many I, things. Yeah, I, I mean I just, if you want, there's a devotional kind of at the end and there's some good you could actually maybe not read exactly what the guy Yeah, I says, thought about doing that. But but to actually pull the verses and maybe point to the verses that are prophetically pointing to That's the Messiah, you idea. could talk about that. Hey, this was written, you know, in 700 AD, <laughs> pointing to this, and, and he's seen as fulfillment of that. Right. Uh, even go even further, you know, that my son, uh, one of my sons, read The Case for Christ, also not a Catholic, mm-hmm. but, but he talks about the, you know, the st- statistical likelihood of somebody fulfilling all of the prophecies that Jesus fulfills from the old Testament. And he was saying that it's, it would be um, the same as stacking quarter <laughs> stack, marking one quarter and then stacking quarters covering the whole state of Texas I forget how many rows yeah, how many, tall 25 or something. and then yeah. blindfolding someone and then going and saying, go pick one. And the likelihood of that one that you marked being the one that he picked, that's how they're saying it's that, that small. So it's important for us to remember, I think as we teach our kids and it, and the, and the great thing is, is the liturgy will do it because you'll, you'll see these readings that are actually mentioned in this, in the readings that 
when they were written, written, and the reason that we're reading them is, is they are prophetic, pointing to the coming Messiah and who the Messiah is. That right. is foundational to our belief. You know, brought to total fulfillment in his death, passion, death, and resurrection. Um, but that that he's the fulfillment of all these things that were prophesied hundreds of years ago about the coming Messiah. Hundreds of years before his birth. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hundred years before his birth, yes. Thousand <laughs> it would be coming up on I guess three thousand years ago, some yeah. of some of them. But yeah. uh but anyway, I I the story itself, I mean I don't think it's i mean the story itself is just I love it. I mean I really do. I mean I'm we've been reading it for probably 13 years now. I mean, and I, and, and the kids are know, enthralled. They, they love yeah, it. The, you know, the, the, that's the most fun about it. I mean, even today at, you know, 16 and seven and 18 year olds listening, they like it and they, and they love it. I mean, they want to do it. They're, they're happy to read it and they're excited. So about let me, it, but, I just want to tell one other cool thing about last night that worked to the good of, of making this a special right m- memory potentially is the heat in our house went out our furnace for our downstairs oh, wow. went out oh my goodness so we had to build a fire oh, in the yeah. fireplace last night so we got to read the um, we did <laughs> not last night last week when you're going to be hearing this yeah yeah right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we got to build a fire and read the chapters sitting in front of the fire we had the lights turned down so oh, yeah. i think it just made this really beautiful <laughs> uh, moment and there's a there's a part in there where he actually writes about the 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 flames dancing on someone's face yeah that's cool and so that was that that was literally happening to us while we were reading the story because we had the fire going i just can't i mean honestly i cannot recommend it enough i know i've said it and the fact that you're bringing it up i have i have great memories i'm giddy giddy. i really (laughs) am giddy about it and I, i because I mean, of all the things that we do, it's one of my all-time favorites in terms of the fact it engages everybody. Yeah. The story is fun, and even reading it for maybe what the tenth time. Oh goodness! I mean, more maybe than more than that. Than that. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're it's still kind of fun. The kids still joke because they know stuff that's coming up. You know, and and like this part that, that I, we're not going to plot twist. Don't, don't no time, but the plot twist that the plot twisted you on day on day four. You know, the kids already know. What, what what is happening and right. so they're they're already you know pointing out or saying things about a character that's coming as a result of anyway yeah. it's i i'm i am yeah. giddy yeah. and, and i <laughs> well and i just saw it, yeah it. so it, he's uh it, the author the author is arnold tree he tried he tried i think is how you it's y-t-r-e-e-i-d-e and I see that it was, um, it is at Barnes and Noble, but it's out of stock online. <laughs> mm, so yeah. maybe there's some still at Barnes and Noble if you want to run out and get that. Um, Other people besides Amazon. us, I'm sure, are plugging it. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Really. Sure, that's yeah. got to be what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But it is on Amazon. Uh, and and uh, as we were talking about as well, it was out of stock um, several years ago and it was like $75. It was re- the price for one of the books. The but, you buy, but just buy it, it's worth it. Yeah, we buy, I mean, if you just buy that one, I mean, we still have the same exact one that we bought 12 years ago or yeah. whatever, 13 yeah. years ago. Yeah. We actually have the series, but we and we've tried one of the other ones, but we always go back to it. And try. it might be, and I, it's just because of the guy, and it's kind of like the, there is a series, and it's actually the same story told from three different angles. Different angles. Mm-hmm. It's actually, I mean, cool. like the Jotham is seen as somebody who comes by... Hmm. another character and so you're living it through through her eyes as yeah. opposed to Tabitha the Tabitha, girl yeah the, girl. the one he so just left he just yeah. met so there's a Tabitha there's a version, series here there's a Tabitha know. but perspective yeah. but the kids, Tabitha's um, travels something yes. like that <laughs> <laughs> something it is like that. and Bartholomew's I don't know. Yeah. But they're, yeah. yeah they're, it's all, yeah. But it's, it's all, all just told they're people, they're characters that you kind of just get to know but then they're, but then they're the whole I, honestly, we've tried. It's like the other there's ones. a Jotham's universe. I mean, That's it, right. it's interlocking it's gonna, stories like but, superheroes. Uh, but I'm a, Tabitha's but, Travels, Amon's Adventure. Uh huh. Oh, Bartholomew's Passage. They did. Uh. They did switch up the. Uh, no alliteration on that title. Yeah, not yeah. that one. <laughs> so <laughs> they're slipping. All of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So all of this is uh, kind of preface for what we're going to talk about today because this right. is Advent and. 
who was who was uh, sort of critical to an yeah. advent to a Christmas even happening is Mary. Our Lady, the the Blessed Mother, and we're going to talk about some of her yeah, titles today, right? Yeah, and and I think we'll we'll focus um, we'll focus a, a little bit more today on the Immaculate Conception because I think it's often. But certainly misunderstood, even if people talk about it from from a Protestant perspective. I found, unfortunately, that there there are plenty of Catholics that don't that don't do it. That coupled with the fact that the bishop is the bishop will um, or has uh, consecrated the diocese mm-hmm. um, under Through Mary the under the title of the Heart of Mary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for us if if we as a diocese are being are consecrated um, to Jesus to God through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, um, it's important for us to understand what that means and why. And right, why because the Immaculate important. Conception is uh, Jesus being conceived without sin, right? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, we did. We, he, you had to do that segue. You just had to. But um, <laughs> but yeah, and and we'll have missed we'll have missed. This will air. It's after yeah. uh, yes. the the Immaculate Con- Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is December eighth every year. Um, not a movable feast. Not a movable yes. feast. It's a December eighth every year, which is the conception of Mary, our mother. Which, if you uh, happen to be concerned about when her birthday is, it's very convenient that the church recognizes that most people, if they're if they are carried to term as a baby from conception to birth, is nine months. It, all you have to do is count nine months exactly to the day forward, and you have Mary's birthday, which is September eighth. Um, the beauty is is that the counterpart, which we talked about it to uh, to this, is Jesus. Um, coming to existence inside the womb of Mary is the Feast of the Annunciation, conveniently. <laughs> March 25th, not a movable feast. Nine months later, <laughs> December 25th. And yeah. what's interesting I have learned over the years is that the, um, now correct me if I'm wrong, I think I'm stating this correctly, but the the uh, observation of the Annunciation on that date was actually is actually older, more ancient than the observation of I don't, Christmas I, on December 25th. That doesn't that which doesn't is very interesting. Tell, and, and, yeah, but I think I, I I don't I don't know. I think I've heard that, but I, I certainly can't speak to it. It wouldn't surprise me. We tend to think in terms of the church is just always teaching. So even in that, you can you can even teach kids. Hey, how long does a baby stay in the inside of nine months? I mean, even the church recognizes very incarnational, very taking very seriously um, the what happens in our human lives from the beginning. So, um, which is conception and uh, through through birth. So anyway, I just I find that interesting, but um, I thought we would start with talking about the immaculate conception and what that means. Um, and then go from there because I, this is a great time to focus on Mary, mm-hmm. our mother. It's, it's, it is she, um, and her yes is the beginning <laughs> of mm-hmm. not, not salvation history, but the beginning of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I'm just going to, I don't know if you had any comments and I'm going to read, I'm going to read this and maybe speak from this, but this is from the catechism, um, in f- 490. I'll read it. It says, to become the mother of the Savior, Mary, quote unquote, was enriched by God with gifts appropriate to such a role. And that's um, that's from Lumen Gentium 56, which is, which is the uh, Vatican II documents. The angel Gabriel, at the moment of the Annunciation, salutes her as, quote unquote, full of grace. And that's from Luke 128. In fact, in order for Mary to be able to give the free assent of her faith to the announcement of her vocation, it was necessary that she be wholly born by God's grace. Now, there's a lot here, but what we believe is, is that God protected her from original sin from the moment of her conception. So from, from, there's never been um, a moment of her existence <laughs> that was not 
one that was she was protected from original sin. God, so it's, I mean, what it says is she was enriched by God with gifts appropriate to such a role. She's going to be the mother of God. <laughs> she has to have certain graces. But I think what I love about what I love about the teaching is it takes seriously our humanity and her humanity and the humanity that we share with Jesus, because what it says is that. Well, first off, it, it says that our humanity is capable of so much separate from sin and that, it, that, that it's meant to be that and that God cannot unite himself in as intimate a way as a mother with a child with, a, with someone who's sinful, who, who has sin. And so there's so much to talk about here with regard to that. We believe that original sin, the sin that came from Adam and Eve— is passed by generation. In other words, so every time from that point forward, every child that was born is born with original sin. Um, so any human, except for somebody especially made for a purpose, that is born is born with original sin. That, that makes sense. She, because God knew that she was going to be the mother of God had to be protected because he could never unite himself in a, in a, as a person with sin itself. It would be counter to who he was, who he is. Does that make, does that make sense? That was mm-hmm. a theological thing, but I think it's really important. Extending from that is the fact and this is all from the Immaculate Conception. Extending from that is the idea that Jesus is the perfect human. He's not superhuman. He's not, he's not um, a superhero. He is revealing to us what humanity is capable of separate from sin. I think a lot of people look at Jesus and say, yeah, but he was God. Yes, he was God, 100%. <laughs> but he is 100% human as well. And we sometimes tend to forget that that in that humanity, he reveals to us what we're capable of. But the cool thing is, as Catholics, we don't have to stop at Jesus. Because of this teaching on the Immaculate Conception, we say, yeah, but we have a created being, not a goddess, not she is a created being like you and me, somebody who he protected from sin to show us that even in that case, we're, it's revealed to us what we're capable of separate from sin. Does that make, make sense? So we can be called to that perfection. In fact, we are called to that perfection to strive. And everything Jesus came to do was to redeem humanity and then provide us with the means to counteract that which causes humanity to be less than what it is, which is what? Sin. So what did he do? He came to die for our sins and to provide both the truth, so we know what's sinful and what's not, but also the grace to be able to overcome sin, not because of what we do, but because of what he did on the cross. Well, and I think, too, we just, um, I think I've mentioned before, just went through a beautiful um, Bible study called from Ascension Press. Um, It was a biblical walk with Mary. And um, I think that we kind of rattle off our Hail Mary sometimes. Um, there, there was, there was a whole, um, part of our study that, you know, really focused on full of grace. I mean, she was full of grace. And I think that we, um, forget that we have access to that same grace. Mary just said yes to it over and over and over again. And as we went through the study and went through like, really breaking down all the things that 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 Mary went through from the very beginning when she presented Jesus in the temple and Simeon says your you know your heart will be pierced by a sword you know as just being told that I was going to be the mother of God I'm thinking I'm thinking I would be thinking no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, this is going to be, this is going to be good. I'm going to be in the palace. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. all going to be good. What do you mean pierced by a sword? I'm going to have people protecting me and what, you know. So the, the, I mean, really when you walk through what she went through, 
and I guess me and my very humanness, I'm thinking this is the antithesis of what I would have thought I said yes to. And yet Mary, who was full of grace, kept saying yes and kept trusting and kept being faithful. She was the perfect disciple. Right. She was the perfect disciple. There's a, there's John Paul, St. John Paul II wrote, uh, wrote a apostolic, I don't know if it's exhortation. He wrote a document on Mary, the mother of the redeemer. And, and there is a line that's always stuck with me when he says, and I'm not quoting exactly, but he says, at the foot of the cross, she was experiencing what looked like the utter contradiction mm-hmm. of what she had been promised 33 mm-hmm. years before. And yet she stood faithfully there saying yes to even that which seemed to totally look like she had been duped. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it is. But that's the next line is the angel Gabriel at the moment of the annunciation salutes her is full of grace. Mm-hmm. Now, full of grace, it's important to remember from a Catholic perspective, and this is why okay, this is why it's so important that we hold tight to these you know, the immaculate conception and dig deep into what it means, because this points us to what is grace. Grace is the gift of God's life that is given to us because Jesus, who is God himself, came, united himself with every human by becoming one of us in the womb of Mary, and then through life in order to give us grace. Grace elevates our nature. What diminishes our nature? Sin. Sin, and that's the useful of grace. The lot of theologians point to full of grace said you if you had any sin, <laughs> this would have been prior to any baptism. So if if she had any sin at all, she couldn't have been full of grace. And the angel who's speaking is a messenger of God who does not ever address any. In fact, I don't, he doesn't use Mary. He, he calls her, you, I mean, basically full of grace. That, that is her name. She is a special set apart. There's a great statue that's over by where we used to live at. It was back in Copperfield, which shows, which I think is a picture. It shows two hands that kind of are covering and Mary's underneath, like these big hands that cover mm. her. I've seen that. And that's got to be at least an hour's but that God is protecting her. She's not protecting herself. God is protecting her for that. And the only way a, an angel would address another, a, a human being, which she is, she's not a divine being. She's not a goddess. She is a human being like us, as full of grace as if there was no sin there. And, and the angel, as a messenger of God, would have known that. And an angel who is a messenger of God cannot lie. <laughs> Gabriel wouldn't lie. So that is another theological point that grace is that. But it also points us to the fact that it is that very grace that allows her to sit at the foot of the cross and say yes. It is that very grace that allows her to say yes Day one, when, when, how can this be? It's that grace that does it. The grace precedes that. So whatever we say of Mary, even though in time we're talking about her conception in the womb of her mother, St. Anne, which in time precedes, obviously, (laughs) the birth, life, death, and resurrection uh, of Jesus, it shows that that grace that that Christ got for us was made available and extended back. Whatever we say of Mary, it's because Jesus accomplished it. And because he's God, he can go back and take what's going to happen because God is in eternity and sees all time. He can, he can go back and apply it, even though in our minds it was preceding. We're not diminishing what Jesus did. In fact, she is a, an outward sign of the impact that Jesus would have. Does that make sense? Grace elevates our nature. Very good. So, um, so, and so, in fact, in order, and we may, as I read this, in fact, in order for Mary to be able to give the free ascent of her faith to the announcement of her vocation, it was necessary that she be wholly born by God's grace. Holy, not H O L Y, but W H O L L Y, meaning completely, entirely, every ounce of her being 
being filled with that, all of her as a, as a human filled with that, which again, I think so many people miss out on the fact that yes, Jesus was, but he shows us through what he accomplished through Mary, what we're capable of separate from sin. Even if you want to try to make Jesus into a superhero (laughs) and yes, he was, 100% 100% God, 100% man, we also have Mary as a sign that she's not God and she's not different from us except for she's been protected from that sin. So immaculate meaning, you know, clean or I mean like, you know, I'm, I'm mom used to talk about, you know, the room being immaculate, <laughs> meaning free from any blemish. That's what what she is and that that conception at from her very beginning of her death. It's interesting. The church has, has always kind of talked about that because even back St. Irenaeus talks about, and we probably could see it here that, that she undid the knot that the, undid the knots that were created by Eve's um, sinfulness that mm-hmm. were passed on, but she unties those knots. By the way, we, we need to do the novena, the Mary undoer knots, but that's an aside, but <laughs> we've been talking. About we've been that. talking about that one for a while, <laughs> but it points to the fact that that she shows us as the mother of us what we're capable of. The mother of. Well, I thought it was know. interesting because you know Grayson and I were talking last night about kind of the because I think one of the unique things about um, well, or one of the cool things about this study was it you know we took things from you know Luke and but it referenced back to the prophecies and and you know the the um foreshadowing of the new eve and you know um, that she would be the new eve and and um the one thing we didn't talk about that my son brought up he said well because we talked about how she was the i mean she was the ark of the covenant she was the fulfillment of the you know and he goes yeah he goes well so yes she would have to be we were talking about you know the immaculate conception she would have to be perfect i mean she would have to be you know there would have there there has to be uh, you know uh details about you know how she would be and, and and what she would be like because look at what god did Look at the instructions that he gave in the Old Testament for the Ark of the, for the, covenant. Ark of the covenant. I mean, down to the, mm. you know, good insight. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The details of, of that, you know, uh, of that at that time, uh, of course there would have to be, you know, God takes, Mary. God <laughs> takes our humanity way more seriously than we do. Yeah. I mean, he points us to the fact that, that what how, created as human beings, we're not trying to escape this. We're trying to live it more fully. And I think there's a temptation to think that like we're stuck inside. We're not stuck inside. This is the way we're meant to be separate from separate from sin. And in the fallen nature, that does not mean God has redeemed humanity. And we will, which is what Jesus and Mary herself points to because of what Jesus showed about her, that we're meant to be reunited with the matter and be bodily creatures. That's what a human being is. And so death came because of sin and sin is the separation of, of our, the matter that we're made out of our, our body. It's not really our body, but the, the matter that we're made of from our souls. Um, and that's as a result of that, but he came to do that. He came to get rid of sin or to pay the price for us. So anyway, I'll continue through the through the century. This is 491 in the Catechism. Through the centuries, the Church has become ever more aware of Mary, full of ga- grace through God. I'm sorry, that Mary, full of grace through God, was redeemed from the moment of her conception. That is what the dogma of the Church of the Immaculate Conception confesses, as Pope Pius the Ninth proclaimed in 1854. So this was proclaimed, and this is this is something else that we can learn by looking at this, but this is what he proclaimed. The most blessed virgin was from the first moment of her conception by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God and by virtue of the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race, preserved immune from all stain of original sin. Really important for us, for those Protestants that say we somehow are diminishing Jesus, it is by virtue of the merits of Jesus Christ. Mary is immaculate, not because of anything that she did, but because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Very important for us Catholics to understand that. 
that that's important. The second thing is it says it was proclaimed in 1854. All right. Was it invented in 1854? The answer is no. We as Catholics, the church proclaims dogma, not like, oops, I just got this. <laughs> Typically the church, not always the church, if it feels compelled to proclaim dogma is concerned about what's going on. And we've talked about this in the world and God, the Holy Spirit leading the church says it's important for us to preserve this because it's, we have to make sure this is what the teach has, the, the church has taught always and everywhere is a key is what the church law says. It is always taught this and it is taught this everywhere. That's how you know what big T tradition is. This is not a, an invention that happened in 1854. This, if you read the early church fathers, has always been the case. Logically, it makes sense, right? I mean, God cannot unite himself to, to a sinful body. So either we'd have to deny original sin, which the church has always taught, or we'd have to say that somehow he preserved her from the very beginning from that original sin in order that he might unite himself with a perfect human as a son to a mother. That makes sense. The mysteries of the church, the mysteries of the church. But I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's so important that we remember Catholics need to understand that when the church defines something, when it, when it puts out a dogma, this, this has to be believed as a Christian that, that again, the church sees itself for what it is. It is the Christian church and the Pope and the church has always said, we are the teaching authority for all Christians, not just Catholics for all Christians. And we're maintaining this truth. And when it proclaims a dogma, it is saying that it needs to be held. And the reason that we're defining it is that if we cannot lose what has been taught always and everywhere, Prior to so this. it's just a reiteration. It's basically. not only a reiteration, yeah. it's also a pointing to this is important. Yeah. This is this is something you have to hold on to. Otherwise you'll miss part of the good news. You you are you looking at something or no? I okay, just uh, I'm sorry. Sometimes I see <laughs> usually I'm a teacher, so I always am looking at people's eyes and when they're like, you know. Okay, what the heck is he talking about? I, I can't see no, you good. guys. I can't see you guys out there. So, so I just want to make sure that I'm going. This stuff excites me, but we have to remember as Catholics, when we talk about her as being immaculately conceived, we are standing on millennia of teaching of the church, but that was just defined and protected as dogma, as a required belief of any Christian, certainly of any Catholic, um, that says that she was by a singular grace and privilege. God did this for her. It's not something like she willed herself to be the perfect woman or she earned her perfection. Nothing like that. A singular grace, a singular gift that protected her. All right. I, anyway, I go back over that because I just think it's really important as Catholics that we understand particularly since there are going to be people who hear that this diocese is consecrated to, dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We better be able to, to, be able to explain what the, what the Immaculate Conception is, mm -hmm. because her Immaculate Heart is part of that Immaculate Conception. Mm -hmm. So anyway, anything else? Strap it on. Strap all right, here we go. On, yeah. 492, all right. Uh, the, the, the quote unquote splendor of an entirely unique holiness by which Mary is quote unquote enriched from the first instant of her conception comes wholly from Christ. Again, holy, W H O L L Y. Nothing she did. This is what Jesus accomplished. She is quote unquote redeemed in a more exalted fashion by reason of the merits of her son. I always say, look, I mean, I love my mother. <laughs> my mother's gone. I wish I could see her. But if I knew I could pick her, if he is truly human, 
then then the best things that I can think of as a son for a mother, as a as a fallen sinful son, would I want to honor my mother? Would I want to that because he is a hundred percent human? So if the best of me says, yes, honor your mother, if the fourth commandment says, yes, honor your mother, God who invented, <laughs> who, who had Moses write down that fourth commandment, who is he to not do exactly what the law says, what the Ten Commandments say? So... Very important that we remember that we remember that he would honor her and that what he accomplishes on the cross extends even back in time because God is in eternity. That also points us forward, which again, this is just these are how this all intricately rewinds. When we're at Mass, when we're at Mass, we are present at the crucifixion. We are present in heaven. We are present wherever he is. We're, we enter into eternity in, in the time that we find ourselves. That's what's going on in mass. That ought to be exciting. I mean, ought to be exceptionally exciting. So God is able to apply across time. So the merits of his passion, death, and resurrection, the memorial of which is the Holy Mass, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, is God extending what happened in time 2,000 years ago to us. I think that's the hardest thing to wrap your head around. Is that is. Yeah, yes. is that we are so stuck in a 24-hour, 7-day, 30, 31-day, you know, 7-day week, 30, yes, yeah, we, you know, we are linear so, thinkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that, that whole, um, that verse about, you know, um, you know what is it, that a, a day is like a, oh, a thousand years a thousand, and a thousand years, years is like a day. day yeah i mean i just think that that is one of those mysteries that um is so hard to you know because all, well, all we really know so it's only it can only be in concept right because all we know is time mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's all we know we yeah. don't know eternity however we get to participate in inter- in eternity in and through the mass mm-hmm. and that shows us that that God in eternity sees everything from beginning to end all at one time, all at once. There's not time in eternity, eternity separate from time. And so what he applied backward to Mary for the merits of what happened at the pinnacle of that is what the crucifixion, death, passion, death, resurrection of Jesus. If you at the pinnacle, everything else flows forward and backward from that. And we have to, as much as it's hard to wrap our brain around, we can't make it so simple that we lose sight of the fact that, of course, it's hard to wrap. We're talking about God. If, if, if we can put God in a box, he's not God, <laughs> right? I mean, we have to chew on these mysteries as truth because why? Because he came and became one of us to reveal that truth to us. And he left his church with us for that purpose. So that's why, that's why understanding, I'll say this again, understanding the names of Mary, the, the titles of Mary, is more than just understanding them as a list of ways of we talk. Everything about the reason that those names are preserved points us to some truth that is essential to our understanding what Jesus accomplished on the cross, why he died on the cross. So they don't ever define things just like, Hey, it'd be nice and nifty to have this there. It's because it's trying to protect something. This also points to where we are now because the, the, the body as something sacred, something holy, something set apart points us to the theology of the body, which, which, John Paul II did later that this is the perfection, that it's not something to be thrown away. Our body is not something to be thrown away. It's not something dirty and evil. Instead, it is something beautiful that God created for us, and he intends it to be used sacredly that we in our sinfulness undermine it. So anyway, 
uh, let's see, the Father blessed Mary more than any other created person, quote-unquote, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and chose her, quote-unquote, in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Again, in Christ, he's done now. I don't, have you ever, I don't know the, I don't know enough science, but I've heard, I've heard, um, which is really pretty cool. And this is really an aside, but talking about, about her, but I've heard that there are, because a mother carries a baby in her womb for so long that actually every child, if, if you had took a mother and you took her blood, you could find, you could find actually, um, blood from their child in their blood that didn't necessarily match uh, their own blood. That that because the baby was in there, that that it actually. I'm not a scientist. I've heard that's true, but I've heard people say, "Just imagine." So he, she was carrying Jesus, and if that is indeed true, that 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 would even more perfect her because his blood post mm-hmm. his birth was flowing in that. That's totally an aside. Nothing that, but I, but I've heard that the science is true mm. about that. So anyway, um, any, any other comments on That's this? Beautiful. Yeah. So 493 says the fathers of the Eastern tradition call the mother of God, quote unquote, the all holy. And it's, I guess it, it's Panagia. I don't know how to pronounce. That's probably Greek, I suppose. And they celebrate her as, quote unquote, free from any stain of sin, as though fashioned by the Holy Spirit and formed as a new creature. Uh, That's 138. That's from Lumen Gentium. By the grace of God, Mary remained free of every personal sin for her whole life long. All right. Again, I think this points us to the fact that the Eastern, right, that we we have so many... um, different expressions of the truth. I think one of the blessings that I, and I've not been able to share this with my family. I wish I had is, is that when I, when we took liturgy in the sacraments with Marcelino de Ambrosio, we went to, we went to worship at all Catholic, but Byzantine Catholic, Maronite Catholic. We went to to mass or the divine liturgy and fully Catholic but so many differences and so many nuances that pointed us to different facets of the truth, different, but not in contradiction to the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and I think that this, they have a, they have a, I mean, you'll see icons, lots, not that you don't see Mary at at. at at, at Roman Catholic, of course you do, but there is certainly a, a particular devotion. Um, I'm sorry. A particular devotion um, that that they have that's not different from us, but they don't say the rosary, for example. Typically, they won't, and that's so. Here's another uh, sidebar that I think we as Catholics need to recognize: there are big T traditions, meaning those things that have been taught by the Church that every Catholic, every Catholic, doesn't matter what rite, whether they're Eastern Rite, Latin Rite, I mean, the Eastern Rite would have Byzantine, Maronite, all these different ones, have to hold as true. And then there's small T traditions, which are typically expressions of those big T traditions that are not necessarily crossing over. So, for example... An understanding of Mary as immaculate and an understanding of Mary as the mother of God, as one that was protected from that is something that, and, and devotion as a result of that to, to Mary as a follower of Christ, devotion to her as mother is a big T tradition. Every Catholic, whether they're Latin, Roman, or Byzantine or Maronite or whatever they are has that expressions of that. We as Catholics are big. We, we, we pray the rosary. Um, that's something that we do as Roman Catholics. It's not 
a big T tradition across. There are other ones that have other devotions to Mary, but the devotion to Mary is consistent across the board, always and everywhere. There's been devotion to Mary as the mother of God. So we as Catholics during this time when we're going to be, we are consecrated to God through the Immaculate Heart of Mary we need to be able to explain this or at least have an idea and then recognize why it's important because a lot of people say, well, you're just confusing the issue. You're getting the, you're getting people off track. It's not about Jesus. You know, that's what a lot of people have objections. Has that not been your experience? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I hear a lot of people in it. You're just confusing things because the gospel is about Jesus. And we say, amen, <laughs> it is about Jesus, but what he accomplished is important for us to remember so that we can more fully understand and more fully fall in love with him because of what he accomplished. And he shows that to us at least in part and, and quite significantly in and through his mother. Right. So, well, and I think, you know, when you think about a relationship with someone, (laughs) you know, um, as we're, you know, I've talked before about, you know, really trying to focus on that relationship with Jesus, developing that relationship with Jesus. I mean, you know, it's so beautiful that he came within a family. Uh, absolutely. You know, and so to, 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 to totally take that importance away, obviously Jesus is God. Jesus, you know, Mary is not, uh, you know, right. but he, God obviously thought it was important enough for him to come through a family. So his mother and father, stepfather, have got to have a little bit of importance. (laughs) Well, I think this, I mean, you you think about this, he could have, he could have come just to marry, forget there being even a father figure around, right? Right. right. Could have, but no, (laughs) so much so that when, I mean, it could have not intervened with Joseph when Joseph was going to kind of divorce herself quietly. She, he could have still had, she still could have still had, and he still would have been that. Why did he do that? He actually intervenes, sends an angel to Joseph to say, do not, this is, this child is of God. Do not leave her to keep the family together. Okay. <laughs> I've said this before, every moment from Jesus's conception to where he is currently through the pinnacle of his passion, death and resurrection, everything God uses to reveal to us the truth about himself as God and the truth about us as humanity everything because he could have done lots of things. He could have just come down, you know, like uh, Captain Kirk or something, just beam me down, (laughs) Scotty and, and been there said who he was, have been who he was, but that would have communicated something completely different. If, if he had not intervened with, with St. Joseph to say, stick around and Mary went off and did it, that would have revealed something completely different. Right. Right. So, and, and so their whole story reveals humility and service. I mean, absolutely. That's their whole story is humble. I mean, they, they were from not, they were not from uh, me, you know, means they, they, they were not from means, because if you read about, you know, when, when you go to present your son, you can either uh, do the. Ah, something or the turtle doves and the turtle doves is first. Yeah. Yeah. We're the kind of the cheap, the cheap way to go. I mean, not disrespectfully here. I'm just saying they were not from means. I think the other thing that's, that's kind of, um, that gets us off maybe if you will, or maybe it's just me, got me kind of off in the story of, of, of Mary and Joseph is, is is the betrothed part that, that we, we think of that. We we try to make that analogy of it. Oh, they were engaged. So, yeah, that probably did re- look really bad. Well, a betrothal was a two-part thing. They were married. They were married. But they she come. just, but they had not come together as man and wife. There were two parts to being betrothed, but 
in the betrothal, 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 however he's, they were married already. So right. that's why he was thinking of, you know, because I always thought, well, wait, if they're engaged, then why did he have to think about divorcing her? No, it, that the, the betrothal, right. they, you know, in that time was a two part um, thing, but, but they were, they were already married. Um, right. She just hadn't gone to live with him yet as, as his wife. Um, right. And so that's why, and so, that's why we as Catholics, and this is another one, talk about the fact that they, that she is not only immaculate from there, but that, that, that St. Joseph and, and her wouldn't have ever done because Joseph would have taken seriously the fact that God himself had produced the son. He would have seen God as in some way, the spouse of Mary, which we believe, and he would not dare as a good Jewish person ever interact in any other way than just humble service, but certainly not in a way of typical marital relations with her because she was the mother of God. All right. Yeah. So anyway, I just there's think so it's, much well, that flows. Say, it just, so, it's so amazing that for someone who is, you know, the perfect disciple, who is the probably most significant female in history <laughs> there's so so much so little said about her and she says so little but yet there is it's so rich and so deep and, God, and so yeah, yeah. So, so i think for not necessarily maybe our memory verse but for our verse i think that would be beautiful is for us to do mary's magnificat which is luke 1 46 through 55 and i um, think i'm out of time to read it but um but it is luke for um Luke 1, 46 through 55, uh, Mary's whole pro proclamation um, is just beautiful. And I think that's something that, break it up, chew it slowly, pray it prayerfully. Um, and just remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Hope you all are having a beautiful Advent, blessed Advent. Pray for us. We'll pray for, for you. you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.